it's time again for the Press Play on Tape podcast. We're up to episode 24 this week. We are your hosts. We have the beauty, Mr. Aaron Clement, the brains, Mr. Tony Cruz, and myself, the brawn, Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damien. How are we going, fellas? Well, very good. I, I dispute that brawn thing. I, didn't we talk about the other day I can deadlift more than you at the moment? Um, no, you can't. Well, though we never actually did finish that conversation, so... All right. Do you want to, are we really <laughs> going to talk about your numbers right now? No, because they're not as high as I'd like them to be. But anyway. Yeah, Damien can probably lift Terminator 2 machine by now, I reckon. It is a heavy machine, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I have no desire to ever try and pick it up off the uh, back of your ute ever again. No, <laughs> no, especially um, when you've got a, a steep driveway precariously close. Uh, yeah, the, the, the comedy might be there for the rest of the internet, but I, I don't think either of us would have been uh, laughing. No, no, I would have been very sad. But, hey, getting off, getting, getting a little bit off track for the moment. But Indeed. Uh, I, I, am, I am good, gentlemen. How about yourselves? No, very well. Uh, just cooling down a bit, that's all. Cooling down a bit, yes. It is, it is um, getting into the, uh, the thick of winter here um, in Tasmania. But I don't, I don't think we're quite up to winter officially yet, though, are we? No, we are certainly no, not. No, a couple more days to go. No, no. no. Uh, well, have we got any um, retro-inspired pickups or stories to share? Uh, for myself... I uh, don't know the the, the Amiga fight the fairly filthy Amiga five hundred that um I th- I think uh, Mister Freakin' Frankie described as the most atrocious thing he's ever seen. Wow! Um, I did, did did get the other week. Oh, it's it's bad. It was a tip face Amiga. The the guys found it on the while they were doing a trawl through the um up on the the general landfill and yeah, it just happened to make its way back and I couldn't leave it sitting there all on its own. But um no, nah, for myself I've. I've been pretty, oh, hang on, no, who am I kidding? No, I had a, a big, a, a nice big shiny thing to actually arrive in the last month. I um, Please, you know, please continue and share. Oh, well, you, you've both seen, you've both seen them, you know what they are. But um, no, I finally had my 1541 Ultimate 2 Plus turn up. Ah. Uh, uh, yes, the, Roll, the Rolls-Royce of Commodore accessories. It is, it is. I haven't actually seen it in person. I've only seen it when, when you've shared it on Facebook. Yeah, okay. I might have to. Well, remind me next, next time. Next time I head round, I'll uh, have to have to tuck it in and bring it with me because yeah, it's a quite a quite a fancy little piece of kit. And um, mm. despite the fact it was a nearly five month wait time for it, it uh, honestly has been worth every cent. That I'm you know barely scratched the surface of what it can do. But compared to my old um, SD2 that I was using as a flash solution. This thing does, yeah, all runs mm. rings around it and mm. then some. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The um, the the SD2 IEC type solutions they kind of do the do the job, but the 1541 Ultimate, it's got all the bells, the whistles, the knobs, you, you name it, it's got it. Look, it's yeah. Look, to be honest, yeah, I mean, does everything. It, it really does. But I mean, at the end of the day, though, I mean, the price tag also tells you what you're dealing with. That. You know, the 1541 Ultimate is a FPGA-driven device, whereas the SD2IC is basically a, a PCB that emulates a 1541. So, you know, it's it's kind of a um, 
apples and lemons type scenario. Well, mm. not lemons. Le- le- no, lemons are a bad description because the SD2 is a good piece of kit. It is. It's just not not quite as quick and it's not quite as fully featured. But again, it's it's cool. But yeah, no, the ultimate is uh, is fantastic. So um, I've not used it nearly as much as I'd like to have yet. Um, but other than that, the on the other front is um, my Amiga 600 is now fully pimped out. Yeah. I um, was given a 600 a little while back by a friend, and um, well, given swap for some Lego, eh, same same. Um, but I decided to go about getting it a little bit shiny and a bit more modern. So I've actually yeah, gone and dropped a SD hard drive adapter in it, picked up a brand new um, memory expansion, to, fast memory expansion. But more importantly, bought, went and splashed out for a Furia accelerator card. Nice, it. nice. So, yes, bumping it up to what ten mega, ten mega RAM on top of the the expander memory. Mm-hmm. Um, between that and like WHD load stuff, it's you know I'm getting getting Workbench very quickly, games and stuff boot insanely fast. Again, probably overkill for what I'm using it for, but I tell you what, geez, it's a nice piece of kit. Have you played anything that requires a bit of acceleration? Uh, I'll be honest, no. Oh, uh, get Monkey on to Island, it. Monkey Island, um, Midnight Resistance, stuff like that. I've just kind of been dabbling with things to see what they look like, but it, it's definitely on the uh, the agenda to get it fired up. So, mm. But mm. yes, again, nice piece of kit. Um Really happy with it, and also the yeah the expansion card that I picked up that got here relatively fast, and a yeah, it's good to see yeah more of that sort of hardware that the guys mm. are still making and brand new. Um, an indie vision would be nice next, but I think that's probably a little bit um, yeah a little bit excessive for me. Yes, <laughs> you can you can have get one if you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I think I'll be okay mm. there, but some. Um, but that that's largely me. Um, okay. I, honestly, I don't think I could top much more than that. That's well, I'll, I'll yeah. be I'll be I'll be brief with mine. So since the the last episode, I've managed to fix my Laser three ten computer. Um, all it was was had a a dud power switch, so that's now fixed. Very happy with that. Um, and I managed to snag a pretty good Sega SC three thousand H. Um, along with basic level 3B cart and again very happy with that Um, got it for a really good price Um, needed some minor fixes uh, just the uh, the the RAM cart uh, required some serious um, scratching on the um, the edge connector (laughs) to you know isopropyl wasn't going to be enough so i had to go to the big guns the fiberglass pencil uh to really get the tarnish oh. off yep and the um uh the keyboard just required the uh keyboard ribbon connector inside to be um reseated and to be uh cleaned up a little bit because over time it had sort of managed to get a little bit sticky and uh just through i suppose being stored in a in a moist environment but you know very happy to have the 3000h next to my uh standard 3000 and don't they look a good pair yeah no they, they definitely do and the i mean those for the um the h does the you saw went the keyboard connected to the motherboard is it the same silly like you know exposed wire 
connector that the S, the normal SC three thousand uses? No, no, it is a like a, a a ribbon cable type thing with a the the thin plastic with like a bit of hard plastic over it to to help insert it into the slot. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a, a much better improvement over the uh, the monstrosity that is the standard three thousand. That that's I've nearly killed my uh, my one here before by pushing it and it just yeah dropped it actually shoved in and nearly bent the pins on me and because there's you know if they're exposed there's not a lot of comeback on that one oh nice yeah well, that h is a pickup mm, very happy so what we are going to talk about tonight oh, is yeah you're forgetting are you forgetting someone oh look i, I am forgetting some <laughs> someone Jeez. in my haste it's- Dude, I think you've got to stop doing all those weights. It's um, shrinking your, your brain. <laughs> He's been d- lifting his machine too many times. One-handed. <laughs> We've already had the knob discussion tonight, Damien. Not again. Well, um, my uh, month has been a reasonably quiet one, but I still have managed to get um, two very interesting items. Um, I'll start with the VA2000 graphics card for the Amiga 2000 from MMT um, uh, basically will allow high resolution displays and accelerated graphics uh, out of HDMI and it came with a second subboard, a daughter board that goes into the video slot of the Amiga 2000 and allows you to play um, all titles through the new graphics interface, in other words HDMI A. Um, and um, look, very much looking forward to um, getting into that. Unfortunately, the sub-daughter board uh, needs to be assembled, and it's got SMD components. Oh, ouch. <laughs> you can keep that. <laughs> so I haven't tried to do that yet. Um, uh, I possibly may have had some time this past weekend, but I actually spent some time cleaning up the um, games room. Um, but the other big find, which was the time between when I purchased it and when it arrived here all the way from the UK, it was actually only five days. It actually wow. completely and utterly surprised me when it showed up as quickly it, as it did. It's quicker than posting a, a letter internally in, in Tasmania. Yeah, I know. And it was actually, so it's from the UK and it actually used the global shipping program, which has started to pop up, pop up in the UK now as well. Um, and the rate wasn't bad. Yeah, I know the rate wasn't bad, and it came that quick. So I can't complain too much. But anyway, the the actual thing is, um, people have listened to the podcast before, and what I generally talk about. I obviously I love the MSX machines and the original Spectre videos, and part of my retro computer collection are all of the machines that use the same graphics processor. So that includes the TI ninety nine. Um, computers, the Sword M5, um, the Einsteins, uh, even the Dick Smith Wizard or Creative Vision, as it was called, all use a TI-99XX uh, processor of some sort. Um, and the last remaining machine that was produced with a Z80 and uh, the TI-99 processor was a Memotech MTX. Similar in a way to the Einsteins, with the Z80 running at 4 megahertz um, instead of the mm-hmm. normal 3.67 that the other yep. systems run at. So it's a, that little bit faster. Um, it actually has a brushed aluminium case. 
Ooh, so it looks nice. beautiful. Oh, nice. I can... And I can confirm, having been hands-on with it, it is possibly one of the nicest-looking 8-bits I've ever used. Oh, don't don't say that. With. Now I'm going oh, to need dude. to get one. Oh, dude, seriously, seriously. <laughs> it's, ta- it's taken me five years to get one, Damien. <laughs> five years. Look, I can wait five honest, years. Yeah. But, man, seriously, it, um, you know, we, we talk about how sexy some of the other... You know, the C64s are, depending on who you are, you know, that how nice a, a really kitted out 48K Specky can look when they're polished up and they've got new. None of them have a bar on this thing. It is just, it mm. is that good looking. Mm. So absolutely drip quality. I have the entry level model, so um, only the 32K of RAM, um, but they can be expanded to 512K of RAM. There is, um, you can do that internally, but also there is an extension board that you can buy that's been made by the community called a Remorizer uh, that has an SD interface, um, has ROM chips on there that has CPM built into it. Wow. Um, and wow. has all, all these funky functions. Uh, once you get another device, it's not that cheap, um, but I do have to wait for another lot of circuit boards to be, um, mm. to be printed. So that might be a little way off. But the Very machine, it, it works. It looks like it's been in storage for a while. It actually came with its original polystyrene. Yeah. I've never seen a picture of an actual Memotech box. Um, I would say that was a cardboard wraparound around the polystyrene. I'm not sure. Um, but the machine is definitely in very good condition, full travel keyboard uh, in all its brushed black metal awesomeness. Very good. <laughs> It sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a, a very awe-inspiring piece. Um, so yes, yeah, a very good month. I mean, and I also got a couple of arcade bits and pieces, but we'll we'll leave them to another time. Yeah, same here. I thought we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. What we what we are here to talk about today is uh, arcade conversions. No, um, we're not. Because I'm gonna what. No, we're not. We forgot something. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's, I, been, I it's been a month. I keep skipping ahead. I keep skipping ahead. Oh, we've got a, a share, quick, just a, a quick shout out to. While it's been just a bit over a month since we we had our uh, our very first competition, which thanked to Pond Software, so our Bear Essentials Comp. Uh, again, it was just a quick a quick thanks and shout out to the to um, Vanya and the rest of the team from Pond for don- gratefully donating a copy of Bear Essentials to be given away. Uh, so yeah, we we drew the comp, and if you if you missed it, it was uh, actually a fellow Tasmanian, a gentleman by the name of Paul Nichols who um, actually picked it up, which uh, is pretty impressive, considering I, I don't actually know him, but, yeah, he's another Tasmanian. I But, yeah, so there's a brand-new copy of Bear heading his way, which I think was the last of the first batch of signed signed versions. So, um, But we also had our, our runners-up, so Igor Mirajvokic, sorry if I've mangled your name, um, and Jody Robs from... So we've got our fridge magnets, well, the last two... Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it was pretty cool. Got a pretty good response from it, and um, again, you know, big thanks to the the Pond team. And hopefully, this is not the last we uh, we see and hear of them. And I know, cause I know they've got a few more bits and pieces and new games coming coming our way soon. So definitely keep an ear out. So, Damien, you finally, finally, you've been bursting at the bit for this. So, have uh, at it. <laughs> well, look, I feel a little bit deflated now. Now that I've had a couple of false starts, but um, all right, let's get into it. 
arcade conversions. So what we're talking about tonight is some of our um, favourite arcade conversions. Um, and look, if you guys don't mind, maybe I'll go first. You've only been busting at the guts for how, how many months now? <laughs> That's, well, I've, I've been suggesting it as a good topic. <laughs> I suppose we better let him then, yeah. 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 All right, yeah. All right. So All right. look, the, the, the games that I'm going to talk about tonight are games that I spent a lot of time playing back in the day. Um, they're probably, it, it is really difficult to pick, you know, what I think would be the two best or two favourite conversions. So these probably don't reflect what I would pick if I needed to um, pick those. But these are ones that I spent a lot of time on in the day and um, had a lot of enjoyment from. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably fair to say it's, it's the, it's, you know, the, the subjective, def, definitely not a, an objective opinion of things. You know, it's the... Mm. The things that maybe weren't fantastic as far as a critical review goes or even technical, but, you know, I think we're all, all guilty of liking at least one or one or more arcade conversion that wasn't super amazing. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's right. So, without further ado, the first game I'd like to talk about is Gryzor. Um So, Gryzor, um in particular, I'm talking about the Commodore 64 version. Uh, so it was known as Contra in the arcades. Um, it was made by Konami and released in, I think, 1987. Um, and Grisel was the European name. Um, it's a, a run-and-gun type of game. Um, it's like a mix of side-scrolling 3D tunnel sections. Um, and there's some shooting vertically gun turrets and stuff on other screens um interestingly in the arcade it was actually a vertical uh mounted screen uh which was interesting as is, is a lot of the game was actually horizontal platform type levels um you play as a couple of sort of generic 80s um looking dudes lance and bill big tough commandos and uh, you end up sort of fighting some um, horrible alien things towards the end. Uh, so in particular, the, uh, the Commodore 64 version, uh, published by Ocean, uh, developed by uh, Colin Porch, who I think did Operation Wolf, and David Bloke, who I think did some D&D games for the 64. Uh, I actually spent a lot of time on this back in the day uh, and essentially when I first saw it and first played it I was like hooked absolutely right away um, the I think one of the things that really did it for me was the the music uh, the 64 game music was um, just a tune that was based on the 3d tunnel sections from the arcade um, and that was probably like the best the best tune from the arcade uh, and Martin Galway did the music and it was like an absolutely cracking tune and just listening to it loop over and over again never got sick of it, loved it probably one of the best um, parts of the game it, it's up there, it's up there um, I, I actually really felt that the game was really, really console-like in, in the way that it, that it played uh, one downside is using the space bar to jump um, because you had to be quite dexterous to actually 
use the joystick and press the space bar to jump at the same time or you had to use your foot or uh, I think I actually even got my brother to man the space bar and as I was playing I had to go jump co-op jump it was, <laughs> yeah, right. no, I, I, I do have memories of, of much the same actually having my friend and we'd you know, work out a, a code a code name for when we want to jump because you know instead of just saying jump it's much much easier to say something even more complicated um but okay. dude i think you're being generous it was ass control nah. it was one of the nah. worst control systems nah. that has ever graced a, a home port and Get i out. say that i say that in a world that actually no it really is the worst control system that's ever graced a home system no well look all i need to say is this is about me aaron so um you can take your opinions and um do something with them (laughs) i will go and argue it on the internet and they will agree with me because i am right my praises are not finished i i think that the pace of the game is really great and i felt that the pace of the game really had put like a great sense of urgency into it um, and and the really the, the music really um, sort of fed into that as well. Um, c- comparing it to the arcade, I actually think it did a, a pretty good job of looking like the arcade. Um, it had good variety. The colours were great. Um, most of the game is actually there. There are a couple of uh, levels missing. Um, on the 64 version, there's part of the third stage of the arcade. Um, which just basically between the uh, second level, which is like a 3D tunnel section, and the third stage, there was a whole sort of platformy bit where you had to um, sort of climb upwards of the screen. Uh, 64 missed missed that bit out, and I think that there might be uh, a level or or bits of uh, levels towards the end uh, that were missing as well. Um, In the 3D tunnel sections, I actually thought that the... 3D levels actually looked really good and played really well. Um, on those levels, you needed to shoot a particular item on the screen to progress to the next room. Um, they just felt right. Um, the game actually gets sort of a bit hard later on, um, especially when you need to use the space bar to somersault. Um, <laughs> but like I said, you know, at the time I actually got quite dexterous. Um, finishing the game. Um, after many, many hours and months, maybe even a couple of years of play back in the day, uh, when you get to the end of the game, <laughs> the ending is a bit harsh. It just says, in sort of, it might even be like a standard Commodore 64 font. It just says, game over, mission completed in text on the screen. That's it. Bit disappointed, but overall, absolutely love it. And I won't hear otherwise. <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, the key Fast. thing is, is you got so much enjoyment out of it back in the day. Well, absolutely. And look, and that's, that, that's, that's probably the big thing. I know is at least one one of my the games I've got to talk about. It's probably much the same, actually. It's, uh, it certainly falls into a similar category of it, it wasn't, yeah, it was definitely lauded for things that it didn't do, but it was still a, a technically fun game that, you know, I played a lot of because... Yeah, it was enjoyable. Very good. Well, on that note, Aaron, did you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. I'll, said I'll game. I will. I will talk about said game actually because it's a it's a good good segue. Um, so for me, my first title I picked on was actually um, 
Capcom seminal vertically scrolling shooter from 1985. Any of you boys want to take a stab? Commando. Bingo. <laughs> uh, Too easy. Oh, I know, right? But it really is. It's a you know straight up running gun shooter. That it was you know they were very popular of the era where it was. If it wasn't spaceships flying up the screen, it was a you as a dude, and you know this was no different. That you know you as Super Joe, who well at least I think that was the retcon. I think the 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 outside of Japan release, they tried to sort of retcon the, the name to the dude, who then went on to pop up in other uh, Capcom games like Bionic Commando and stuff. But um, but yeah, either way, it was this was his first outing. Uh, so it had eight levels. Where you just run up the screen, shot various types of troops, dodge grenades, dodge trucks and tanks. Um, but it was a just a traditional eight-way joystick game. So two buttons, one for shoot, one for grenades. Um, and funnily enough, it actually it actually predated the Arnold Schwarzenegger film by several months. Yeah. So um, yeah, I always kind of remember playing it as a you know playing it, thinking, oh, this is like a game of the movie, but no. Totally unrelated. You could pretend that you are Arnie. I, I used to. That was because, you know, as a... Well, I, I meant while you were playing Commando, not just generally in life. I, well, I'm trying, but I, I honestly don't <laughs> think my pecs are going to be all that ever impressive. Um, <laughs> but no, um, but it's funnily enough, though, as a, you know, a 9, 10-year-old, I shouldn't have really been watching Commando because it was R-rated. Oh, go but, on. Meh. R-rated films, in the, R-rated films in the 18s were nothing. The 80s were Look, nothing compared to today. It's got Melissa Alyssa Milano in it, so surely if she was allowed to be in the movie, a nine-year-old should be able to watch it. Damn straight. And not to mention as well, um, let's, let's be honest here, um, it has one of the greatest Arnie puns ever. So, how? Oh, which one? They're, they're all, all good. Oh, yes. Oh, but come on. He had to let off some steam. <laughs> oh, what about when he was terrible? Chucks oh, the um the 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 uh, saw blade. Oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I'm getting off track again. So um, but look, home conversion wise, funnily enough, Ocean didn't convert this one. It was Elite that picked up the home conversion job, um, and they would actually go on to bring this across to something like nine or ten plus systems. So wow. the usual the usual five got a look in. So yeah the two 16-bits and the three 8-bits that we all know and love. But we also saw some ports like to the um, Apple II, the Beebs Micro. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, there was a butchered C16 port. And even uh, Tony's, uh, oh. Tony's favourite favorite toy, the MSX, got a, uh, a look in as well. So for its time, it was, it was a pretty good number. And they quality varied. Um, I mean, look, again, this is a personal thing that... For me, the 64 was still the version of choice purely because I got it in that um, yellow ECP compilation that I think just about everyone had back in the day. But um, Was that in there? Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. So that was the one with Commando, Bomb Jack, Frank Bruno's Boxing, Airwolf, and Dukes of Hazzard. Ah, it's um, not, a, not a bad pack. A couple of stinkers, but um, oh. there's some good quality in there. Yeah, So, um, yeah, but good, Commando good was... Mm. I mean, look, say what you will about Bombjack being a, a made horizontal, but yeah, it was it was a good pack. But Commando to me just stands out. It was because mm. it only had three levels, but at that time I didn't know any better. So who cares? Um, it looped, but again, who cares? Um, the I, music, the yes. music. Ah, oh, it's I, I, how arguably, good was that? 
outside of maybe Parallax and, you know, a couple of other tunes, is probably one of Rob Hubbard's, or actually not one of Rob Hubbard's best. It's probably one of the best on the 64. Um, and I'd... It's de- definitely a showcase. It really, really is. Was was Parallax a Rob Hubbard tune? No, it wasn't. But uh, no, no, it but wasn't. that's a great tune I, but, I can imagine listening to that tune um before going to bed i reckon you'd have nightmares <laughs> it's it was a lot longer than i remembered it mostly because i always wanted to dive in but again not talking about parallax as much as i'd like to um mm. but yeah so <laughs> you, you had other versions i mean look the the other eight bits were hit and miss i, I i'm not really going to go too much there because they were much of a muchness um, the music was either not there or passable. The games played all right. Um, the Amiga and ST were interesting because personally, I, I find, and even going back to them, they look technically brilliant. You know, obviously, they match the arcade really well, but it just the control feels sluggish. That It's, it's one of those mm. things the, you know, the Amiga games suffered from a lot, especially with arcade conversions where they'd, they'd look great, but they just the frame rate or just that movement wasn't quite right. The X factor just wasn't there. Uh, that's it, and I mean, yeah, you know, it it, mm. it it differed from the '64. Whereas you know, those two, you could long hold the, the fire button to throw grenades. Whereas the '64, again, we're we're back to the Grozor style of having to hit space to throw grenades. But unlike Grozor, it didn't matter so much because it wasn't such a massive part of the game that yeah. you had to, you know, yeah, it's allow, a smart, allow it's a smart bomb move rather than being something you need to do all the time. So. That's, yes. that's that's it. So now. I would I would go and rail on a bit more about the missing levels, except we actually got the final five or the other five levels a couple of years back. So mm. I I know you've played it, Damien, because you showed me. I, I have. don't know if you've seen yes. it, Tony. There's a uh, yeah, Commando no, I, Arcade. I have seen it. Yes, it, play, so the, it, it plays very very well. It's it honestly is one of the best, if not the best, home version of the game. Full stop. With if you've not seen it, um, it's on CSDB. It, they have there's a version on there from Nostalgia which is adds all the extra levels. They've done a whole bunch of work around the sprites to make the glitching go away. There's scrolling the helicopters at the start again. Yeah, there's a whole Sound range of stuff and music at the same time. Exactly. So like it, it is brilliant. So, mm. um, but yeah, it review still it reviewed reasonably okay across all platforms back in the day. But uh, yeah, as I said, it, it's certainly something that if Commando Arcade had to come out. Back back in the day, it would have just blown everything out of the water. But you know, is what it is, and we know more than we did then. So, and that's me. Mm. That's number one. So, Tony, no, that that's great. Um, yeah, yes, no, and, Tony. And I was, was going to say, and and I can't really compare the MSX version because I've never played it. Um, although, if there hadn't been an insane bidding war last month, I may have got a copy of it because it's the first copy <laughs> I've seen pop up. But it went for like I think almost three hundred US. So. Not, not in my <laughs> lifetime. Thank you very much. <laughs> no. Wow. Oh, wow. We'll and we'll leave the discussion that, you know, Japan's basically off limits now because of postage anyway. So we'll leave that to another uh, time. Oh, yes. Um, I'm going to go... Um, uh, which order will I do them? All right, I'll go with the older one first. So I'm going to go for a, um, a game that I did actually play in the arcades a bit, although I was never very good at it. Um, I was always very impressed by the actual arcade cabinet, um, the number of buttons that were on the cabinet, and, yep. and of course, the extremely distinctive sounds. And it was none other than Defender. 
Ah, uh-huh. yes. I was about to guess that. Uh, yes, with all the button controls. Is that um, or asteroids? Yeah, yeah, but there, um, yeah, the, the home ports of asteroids haven't really, um, you know, hit the mark as far as um, as things. But uh, one system has, in my opinion, the best version of it, and that's the Atari 8-bits. Ooh. Ooh, not an MSX. Not an MSX, no. Uh, actually, I don't think the MSX got Defender. The ColecoVision did, but um, Atari Soft didn't actually develop any games for MSX. And Atari Soft actually did a very good job of porting their games to the ColecoVision. So the ColecoVision's Defender is not bad. Um, mm. But I still like the Atari 8-bit version more. It really has... And once again, it was programmed by Atari Inc., so Atari themselves. Um, and um, it really gets the feel of the original game. And most especially with the Atari's Pokey chip, gets the sound really well too. Mm. But you do have to sit in an appropriate position so that you've got your finger on the fire button and your toe near the space bar for the smartphones. <laughs> oh, no. What about all the other? I suppose the, you use all, all four directions on the joystick so you don't have a reverse button. No, you don't have a reverse button. You can, I, I, from memory, I think you can change the, um, the configurator. I can't remember. I haven't actually played with that part of it for a while on the options, but um, there are a couple of options with controls. Um, I mean, another one I possibly could have fixed was Robotron, but I decided yes. to go for Defender. Um but, but Defender was a game that, you know, really impressed me in the arcade and I first saw Defender on the Atari 8-bit at the store that I ended up working at um, when they, because they already had Atari 2600 and Intellivision and the guy there decided to get into uh, selling computers as well. And one of the first computers he got was an Atari uh, 800 and mm. the first game I saw playing on it was Defender. Very nice. So I've always liked that game, and it's one of the first games when I got back into collecting that I got a copy of for my Atari 8-bits. So what format? Is is it like, is it only on disc or tape? It's a cartridge. Oh, it is a cartridge. So it's a left cartridge, in other words, yes. I, I have never seen that pop up. Neither have I. Now I want um, it. Yeah, I, it, it's reasonably common. Maybe in the States? Yeah, probably in the States. I must admit, I haven't shopped in the States for, once again because of the postage and the global shipping program. So, um, But if you know anybody in the States, they can probably get you a copy. No worries at all. Very common game, sold in lots of quantity. Please, oh, Damien, you'll need a, an Atari 8-bit to play it on. Shut up. <laughs> and no, you can't have one of mine. I'm only missing no. one model. I'm only missing one model. <laughs> which, which, which one are you missing, um, Tony? Uh, the one thirty XE. Right, that's what I'm going after. The one thirty <laughs> XE. <laughs> oh, and actually, I've just lied. I don't have a twelve hundred XL either. Oh, good luck. Oh, oh yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> but that, but there's a reason. But that's okay. Monsters. Uh, good, good. I, I think of Defender being it's a really 
academic game, if that kind of makes sense. It's not a game you can just sort of pick up and play. I mean, you can achieve a few things, but to really to really be good at it, you need to be a scholar, a scholar of the game, a scholar of the pattern. And I just yep. don't have it in me. I wish I did, but I feel like you, you, you need to study it. You need to live it. Um, and, and that's the thing. I can never get past the whole pew 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 shoot 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 <laughs> type you've, of mentality you, you've when I been, play games. You've been you've been listening to our friend Rat, haven't you? When he starts talking about um, playing Defender and how much he, you know, time he spent on it and what's required. Well, look, I've um, as you may know, I've um, set up like a multi Williams arcade machine. Um, with the buttons in the correct configuration and that for Defender. I've had a bit of a play and oh, it's 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 good, but damn, is it hard. You've got to be very switched on to play it, if you know what I mean. It's definitely yeah. rea- reactions and patterns. And, yeah. And it's, it's all about speed. I feel no like chill. that if I was, yeah, I feel like that if I was going to actually get anywhere in it, I'd be like, okay, I'm taking long service leave to play Defender for the next six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get slightly close. Maybe. Yeah, no, I'd still be a long way off being any good at it because my coordination's, you know, not the best. But you are right. It is. It is a very technical game, and it's something that. Mm. It's it's I won't say it's impossible. I don't like it personally. I've never been a big fan of Defender. The derivatives and the stuff we've got from it. So you know, Empire Strikes Back. Well, pretty much all of Jeff Minter's side-scrolling shooters. Um, Star Drop, Ray, Drop Zone. Yeah, you know, yep. all all games like that were definitely inspired by it. I I've always found that they were better. But I mean, you know, again, imitation is you know, when someone's come when someone's come up with the initial concept. It's always easier to to put your own well actually that's a really blase thing to say and i apologize to any game devs out there who do stuff because that's it's a pretty blase thing to say um it <laughs> and, does and though also, i will say especially with the atari soft things at the commodore 64 i don't think they actually gave a fair um run to because most of the atari soft games on the 64 you know you got the same processor sure the atari one's faster but um, they probably should have been better than they were. But something, something. Sometimes you think that that was done on purpose. I'm uh, be pretty comfortable in assuming that you're probably not wrong. <laughs> Churn it out, get the money, and make a good version elsewhere. Mm. Awesome. All right. So shall we? Shall we go to the next game? Yeah. So same order, Damien. Yep. I'll go. So. The next game, Operation Thunderbolt. So, Operation Thunderbolt is, and I'm going to talk about the Amiga version. So, it's a big upright gun game shooter from the arcades. Uh, It was a sequel to Operation Wolf, another great big shooty game. Came out in 1988 and released by Taito. Uh, The game... It contains like a first-person type of view where you moved up the screen. It's kind of like a 3D type thing. And also side-panning um, screens, uh, much like Operation Wolf. Uh, the enemies, 
that you had to shoot were consisted of things like soldiers, tanks, helicopters, um, some plane things, and there were hostages to rescue. Uh, the arcade was big, bright, and great fun. You know, huge guns on the on the um, cabinet, huge, heavy cabinet. Um, the Amiga version, I think that it had an absolutely cracking conversion and it was so good that back in the days of um, you know getting games through the um, the school swap network um, I was actually compelled to um, buy the original to show my appreciation once I actually had some money so that's how good I thought it was that's a pretty big sign of it yeah, pretty big, uh, pretty big gesture because that was yes, yes, uh, indeed. But, uh, um, that cabinet though, oh, it's such a yeah. nice big thing that it is. I still wish we had a bought for fifty dollars when we had the chance a couple of years ago. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> no, it's still a sore spot. <sighs> it is, it is. So back, back to the story. Um, the Amiga version, published by Ocean, um, I think coded by John Brandwood. Um, it was actually one of the first games I played on an Amiga, and i got to say I was absolutely gobsmacked. Um, how could a coin-operated game from the arcades, how could it look so good on something you had at home? It, I, I just couldn't. It was unbelievable. Um the game itself on on the Amiga it played it had joystick and mouse options. Um, I always used the joystick, which was good as long as you had like the what do you call it like the reticule red dot on the screen. Yep. Um, and two players simultaneous. Uh, I actually really liked how that worked well too. Uh, played it heaps uh, with my brother back in the day. Did it support? Um, did it support two mice? I don't know whether it supported two mice. It, it may have. Uh, I know it supported at least one. Yeah. Which was certainly the, uh, the, the, the method of choice as far as single player goes. Well, I like the joystick. Really? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I suppose it, it did. Yeah, but I suppose you, it's interesting you say that, though, because, I mean, the, op, the big thing with Operation Wolf and Operation Thunderbolt, and we, we won't talk about the third one because... Um, yeah, yeah. But the big not... thing with those those the guns on that game though that they were actually emulate more or less emulating a um a joystick anyway because the weren't they because I think the stick itself is actually attached to a um uh, pot or there's some something that actually drives when you aim if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it would still move like not just in four di- or eight like, directions. You've still got the light gun aspect I of think it. Yeah, I. Yeah. Oh, not sure. Yeah. Actually, I'll be honest. I'm, uh, I'm drawing blanks. So I've never seen the inside of a, the gun. So I just, I just know there were some of those early light gun games that were more. It was almost like a, a mouse or a joystick being driven around the screen, as opposed to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not not sure what. With I think the guns were just directional and, and not actual light guns for um, uh, Operation Thunderbolt. But um, yeah, yeah. All right. So back to the um, sort of the, the conversion um, type stuff. So 
um, the arcade, um, if you've ever played it, it had you know some great little cutscenes and speech introducing each level. Um, and on the Amiga, they they had recreations of of I think everything, all the screens that they had on the arcade. Um, the graphics were a little bit less detailed, but oh, it didn't matter because they looked absolutely fantastic. The speech was actually really great too, and it, um, I don't know whether it was, but it, it actually sounds like it was sampled from the arcade. Um, and at, at the time, um, I hadn't, until the Amiga, I hadn't really heard much speech apart from the old line or two, you know, a few bits and pieces in Commodore 64 and that. So this is like, you know, like a huge step up, I, I thought at the time. Um, the actual 3D sections in the game moved quite well um, and, well, from memory, it, it felt like it was just about as fast as the arcade. Um, yep. With with lots of uh, enemies on the screen, I didn't really notice any slowdown. Uh, enemies, when they throw grenades and knives and all that from you, which you've got like the opportunity to, to, to shoot off the screen before they hit you... I thought they all looked as convincing as they did in the arcade. Um, one one thing that always used to um, uh, make me laugh when I played played because I, I used to play it through all the way, um, and with my brother's help, we could always get to the end. But um, not exclusive to the Amiga version. But the last level is on a plane that you used to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's played in like in a 3D viewpoint running up the plane. Now, it must be like the world's longest plane, at least several hundred metres long. And yeah. with all the gunfire and grenades going off, um, yep. I, I really don't think of, that there'd be actually much of it left because the whole point of you getting on the plane is so you can escape. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, just kept on playing it over and over again. Um, and even loading it up now... Um, as I did with Gryzor as well. I still yep. love it just as much as I did back in the day. So what you're saying is it's like too fast, too Thunderbolt. There's like, you know, this long, super long runway with this super long plane that's probably got about 57 different gears to shift through while you're going down it. <laughs> yeah, uh. pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, you know, with all the grenades uh, going off, yeah, I don't think there'd be much of it left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no... Uh, but we didn't. We didn't really put a lot of thought to that back in the day. Anyway, it was like, I'm shooting bad mm. guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and certainly as well, you'd uh, you probably get a bit of a stir these days if you happen to release it, release it in sort of today's climate because there was a lot of um, yes, yeah. Um, it's an interesting time. I think is uh, I think is the best way to put it. Indeed. But, um, I never knew it got a Super Nintendo port. Just, just taking a big sidestep to the world, just oh. looking through the ports. Like, yeah, I know the, like the different versions. So I was just having a look around. I just happened to notice that it got a. Um, Didn't realise that either. But um, but that aside, yeah, the you, you're definitely right. Like the the Amiga version is far and away uh, uh, one of the nicest looking versions. That you know the 64 was rudimentary brown. The uh, ZX, mm. the ZX Specky, and the Amstrad are pretty much the same version. I actually, no, I tell a lie. Sorry, they're so the Specky is the usual color clash hell, but the Amstrad looks like they actually did use a slightly different port. So I'm thinking of my game, my next one. But um, mm. 
Yeah, ah, good stuff. Now, now I want to go play it and see if we can find that uh, find that local that cab locally. <laughs> yeah, I. Well, <laughs> good luck with that. To Might us. be waiting a while. Yes. Mm. So awesome. Hey, well, um, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I might as well dive in and keep the ball rolling. So my yes. hey, my second game is Midnight Resistance. Funnily enough, um, so uh, personal favorite personal favorite and it's certainly a but uh, throwback so the actual arcade version itself was released in 1989 by data east um it was designed or designed by a gentleman name of koji akabayashi who also was responsible for being designed on an earlier game called uh heavy barrel now what um but before I get too far ahead, so Midnight Resistance itself is, as those of you listening probably remember, it's a two-player cooperative side-scrolling shooter that utilised a three-button setup, so shoot, jump, and special. But it also utilised a unique eight-way rotary joystick that allowed you to pretty much run in one direction but shoot in the other. So, again, um, Koji's previous game, which was Heavy Barrel, used it. Um, and Ikari Warriors as well also utilised a similar joystick setup, um, which all of which sort of you know harken back to the early you know the Robotron days of the the dual joystick to do the same thing. Uh, but yeah, so the, the game itself is pretty standard sci-fi fare. You know, evil guy wants to take over the world, kidnaps your family, blah blah, <laughs> rescue them, shoot stuff, and yeah. But basically, it's a you know, multi multi-level game, so nine levels in all. Um, that sort of go across quite a few different um, bit of scenery, but the fact that yeah, it was co-op, and you could sort of crawl, jump, shoot. It was it was quite quite a bit of fun, and that was probably what set it aside. Um, funnily enough, Ocean, of all people, grabbed the license to port it over in sort of eighty nine ninety, and bought it across to all five platforms of the time. So it was going to be a challenge because much like Grizzor, as an eight as an eight way shooter. How do you port something that has a dedicated run and jump button? Um, so yeah. unlike unlike Grizzle, where they forced you into a horrible control scheme, ah, uh, no bite demo. Um, no, the uh, the jury is out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now look, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it was always going to be a mean feat, but they all accomplished it you know, in in fairly in fairly sort of straightforward ways that. Rather than try and reinvent the wheel, they just simply went with the old arcade standard on home computers of up is jump. Uh, so that made shooting in eight directions a little bit tricky. Uh, however, in most cases, the moment you start shooting, it would lock out the jump command, so you could actually still shoot and aim up and run in in that direction mostly okay. Um, but it, you know, it, it worked reasonably well, I thought. It did that um, control scheme. It would have I would have liked to have seen like a, a mouse mode on the the Amiga, so do something similar to I don't know. Or well, you guys don't play Ugh. DOS game. Ah, see now you you, you you say that, but um, DOS. How would that work? How would you run keyboard? Oh no, no. Ah, uh, see no, if you've ever played. Work. Yeah, no, if you've no, ever I, played. I know what they should have done is added dual buttons to half of these home computers. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, l- well, like the real... done well. Yeah, like the real 8-bit computers that actually did have two buttons. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, the, the, nest, the nest, you mean? No, that's a console. <laughs> well, no, no, it's Fam- Famicom. It's a family computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but you, yeah, you're right. You're right, Tony. And it's something that's just, yeah. But they, look, they may do with what they did, and look, yeah, it uh, it worked all right. Uh, the they use they still use spacebar on some of the versions or shift for the special weapons, but yeah, you, know, you could still run um, run and shoot. But a lot of the times, like with some of the weapons, like the flamethrower, it, it ended up just being a you know, you could sort of run and aim a little bit in forward directions, but if you wanted to do the full eight way, you had to stop and spin while holding the button. But um, but yeah, it, so... it actually looks looks like quite a nice game. I actually have not played this one at all. Oh, play it, play it. Um, are you going to get? Um, are you going to talk about the music at all, Aaron? Oh, I'm getting there, Damien. Jeez, you're all right. Oh, 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 look, I just don't want to steal your thunder. Because oh. I really, really love you the just, music, but I'll, you just I'll did. Let you... Oh, please, please go, go, go right ahead, go right ahead. No, nah, look, um, but look, my yeah, look, my it did have a it did have a really good soundtrack, but again, the Sid, the Sid tune on the sixty four, I think, is still one that I I listen to. I've played all the all the versions. I don't know if anyone's watched me streaming some of it during the week. Yeah, you know, I have played through pretty much all the versions in the last couple of weeks, and you know, again. While the Amiga mod, the mod track or the track on the Amiga sounds nice and FME, it it, it sort of has a muffled, just it's generic. Um, but the 64 just has that really thumping Sid track that really, really ramps it up. So you know it's, and while it only you know the 64 version is only single player, unlike most of the others, other than the ST that were managed to do two player, um, you know. It still, yeah, it still does hold up, and it was one that I, I certainly wanted and got as actually got as a birthday present from my parents. So, yeah, it was a game that nice. I played a, an obscene amount of as a kid. Um, mm. But look, I will say though, the Amiga version is is sublime. It, it plays well. It looks good. It has some odd graphical problems, mainly that the brightness is really low. Like someone's cranked the contrast up to make it look munted. But there are there are versions out there that have a fix that that fix that fix that up so you don't have to fiddle with brightness on your monitor and stuff. But um, you know, I, I still come back to that the sixty four is is just purely for the music alone, and you know, it's the one I grew up with. But the the only axe I had to grind with it was that it only had five levels, whereas everywhere else you had nine, which I would have ended that there, except that I discovered tonight and. It, kind of blew my mind that the c64 <laughs> does actually have all nine levels really well how come you didn't think it did well my version and again retail box no i wasn't a dirty pirate um my version my re- the retail copy i had only had five levels so i and mine ended after you fought the electric guy um and you know you yes that you cheesed your way through that went back up, shot shot at a helicopter, rescued, went up the top, blew the door open, rescued your family, and that was it. Game over. Yeah, so it wasn't because you just, like, had to turn the disc over or something, was it? I'm, I'm not sure if I should be offended at this point, Damien, but uh, <laughs> no, no, you're, and that's the thing. It, it gen- genuinely, but um, talking to da- Dazza earlier on, I'm like, dude, did you, did you, was there nine or five levels? And he's like, no, there's nine. Um, and yeah, I found a few videos that, that also show a version that has not all nine levels. So I'm I'm genuinely baffled as to why there seems to be uh, two versions of Midnight Resistance on the 64. That so if anyone does know the answer, I, I would definitely love to know. Um, mm, but um, very yeah. interesting. But look, it's still. But look, that said though, the um, 
you know, it bought across all the weapons, which, you know, again, in the arcade, it was one of those first, I'm not going to call it, it's roguelike-esque type weapon system because the shop, the shop that you went into at the end of every level changed every playthrough. So each level, or each time you redid the first level, you would potentially end up with completely different weapons in the shop at the end, which for its time was, was actually something that was, was very new. Um, and it does still hold up as a, an interesting mechanic to sort of force you to play differently you know, each time you play through where you can't just rely on getting the flamethrower or the three-way. Um, sadly, though, while it seems they, the Specky version does get a bit of good rap, the Amstrad CPC version is pure ass and should be avoided at all costs. Hmm. Look, as, as much as I like, and I use the word like, the Amstrad were there any good arcade conversions on it? Well, uh, besides Chase HQ, Bubble Bobble for piece, uh, for CPC, the but that's a re- I don't know if that counts because that was a recent release. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't count. Oh, so, yeah, uh, a, lot of no the, a lot of the ports were rushed and and yeah. didn't really take advantage of the machine. Well, they were either specy. That's it. Well, they're either specy ports or, um, in this case, they they use the specy version, but it um, they use the high the high res mode on the CPC, which means you're locked to four colours, mm. and it runs mm. at about three frames a second. It has bugs. I I was getting stuck between the screen. It was falling off. It's, it's not a good version. But although just just while quickly while we're on the subject of Amstrad, it does have a decent version of Grizzle. Actually, I no no. I'll, I'll actually agree with you here. I I actually prefer the CPC version of Grizzor to the sixty four. That the even though it's they they because they use the flip screen versus a um you know scrolling version to get around the problem. It um, it, it works well. But um, it, honestly, yeah, it actually it actually held up pretty well. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. Well, We'll move on. So, Tony, over to you right. for the, to wrap us up. I get to round it out. Um, well, the one I'm going to pick is one that uh, myself and my uh, wife as well actually played to absolute death on the um, home system we had it on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe I actually ever played it in the arcades because um, I never saw a machine. Um, and it's also a game that is really evenly ported across quite a large number of systems, mainly because most of the home computer ports were done by the one person. Um, Now, that person was um, Mr. Braybrook, and the game was Rainbow Islands. Ah. Ah. Now, the system of choice that I had back in the day, because we won't go into my Amiga, first having an Amiga, then going to an Atari ST um, story, but it was the Atari ST version. Um, and funnily enough, um, I've never owned a real copy of it, um, although I probably would have liked to have, and I got it with, I think, on a disc that had Bubble Bobble, and I got the disc because of Bubble Bobble, but we ended up playing Rainbow Islands more. But the, um, but the music, oh, the music. Yeah, it's the music, it's the colours, and, um, the you know the variety in the gameplay that it's actually got quite um you know the levels over bubble bobble the, the levels scroll vertically and yep. uh, are quite long and you've got end bosses and um you know power-ups and things like that and 
it plays very well and you, you you find yourself you know sitting there and tapping your foot as you're playing the game to the music yep yep um now i, I can't say i've ever actually personally played the amiga version but that one's supposed to be quite good as well um, it is it is yeah, uh, but it also really some of a number of the 8-bit ones uh, are also very well done. It's 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 the game. It's a game where there is a lot under the surface. There is a lot going on, um, and I don't know whether you ever tried to go to the level of of getting all the the jewels um, in the specific order to. Um, to unlock the secrets. Yeah. To unlock the secrets and stuff like that. But there was a whole bunch of, of stuff underneath it to, to master it. And I can't imagine... See, the thing is, if you go into an arcade and you play a game like a shooter or a, you know, a, a, a scrolling beat-em-up or something like that, it, it, look, within reason, you might be you know anywhere between on average, I suppose, 15 to 20 minutes of gameplay if you actually played it all the way through. I can't see how you could play Rainbow Islands and actually finish it in under a couple of hours. Oh, yeah, exactly. So It was a big big game. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you've got the six main islands and then if you do everything right, then you get the um, the hidden ones. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a lot of gameplay. I mean, the thing is, is that a novice player, you'll put your money in and you won't last that long. Um, but if you were actually a master of the game, <laughs> you could go in there, put your 40 cents in or however much it cost, and, you know, you could be, you know, that, that machine could rake rake in, I don't know, like a $1.20 a day if you had a couple of good players playing it. Yeah, hogging the machine. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, and I just love it how even the ports are as well. So you know they. Oh, mm. yeah, no, they did an awesome job. Um, have you played the um, the Saturn? Oh, um, and, and also, Wobble? and the best yeah. home port, if you including consoles, has to be the Saturn one. I'm, I have mm. the um, I've got a copy of that, um, and. Uh, fish had that for quite some time. I don't have the Japanese one. I've got, got the Power one. Yeah, same. I actually bought the Power one at the same time I bought my console back in the day. Blasphemy. Oh, you've had it for a long, long time. I have, yes, yes. Blasphemy. I, uh, what do you mean, blasphemy? How, how can you not gush and rave about the... six? Yeah, no, who am I kidding? Like The 64 version is... They're all good versions. They are. It's... They're all very playable, yeah. And, fun, and funnily enough, it was Ocean again. <laughs> yeah, Ocean. They they look, They did a lot wrong, but gee, they did some, some things right at the same time. Mm, mm. Go back and have a listen to our uh, the episode when the boys did them as publisher of choice, and yeah, there is so many good memories on it, but... Um, a lot yeah. of good stuff. Mm, but even the CPC, I actually got to say, the CPC version, I really dug the hell out of. It It's fast. It has a lot of, you know, it moved well. You know, and it's, again, for a system that gets a lot of stick, like we were just giving it, um, it, it actually manages to pull off a, a reasonably good version of it because it's vertically it looks, scrolling. It looks, yeah, and it looks nice too. It's got a lot of color in it. So, mm. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yes, uh, it really was. But, um 
Yeah, and hey, and the fact you got to play it with your wife is is a good yeah. Any any game like that's always got to have a good uh, yeah, good good memories as well, right? Yeah, so that brings back you know a lot of fond memories of that particular time. So, yep, oh, nice. So so shall shall we talk about some honourable mentions? The the disappointing mentions or the no no we'll do that last. Oh okay all right. I don't well I don't really have any honourable mentions other than some of the, the stuff I've brought up. So demo. All right, honourable mentions. Um, R type on the Commodore sixty four. The music in that is so good. I used to just play it just to listen to the music. Uh, the gameplay is is well as far as I'm concerned is spot on. Um, it's as tough as nails though. Um, so. Um, predictably, I used to play through it using a cheat um, on the Commodore 64, but I used to play it a lot. Love it. Pang on the Amiga. Such a good game. I'd probably have to say it's my favourite arcade conversion. I just think the gameplay is dialed in just right. It's bright, it's colourful, the music is bouncy. Um, and guess what? I actually finish it without a cheat. Ooh, okay. Coming back to our type on the sixty four, have yes. you have you ever played um, Katakus? Katakus? I can never pronounce it right. I, I have played it quite some time ago, but I do know its similarities to R type, and I think it actually may have managed to get um, whoever published it in trouble. Yeah, there was oh, the boy. The boys did cover it on an earlier episode, but it was it was to the effect of that the guy the guys that did it. Um, actually, yeah, it was actually it was actually um, come to the attention of them, so and they ended up being brought on board to to actually do the R type port. Mm. Yeah, because there what weren't, there, weren't there multiple was. there was multiple starts for the R type port on the sixty four. That's yeah. I look. I, I honestly, you'd have to go back to the dig it through because I'll I'll be honest when I say I'm I'm a little bit rusty on my uh, my trivia on this one. Mm. Mm. But um, yeah. I think yeah, it may have got re-releases. Denarius, Katakus, or not yep. not our type, but when going back to Katakus, was it re- released as Denarius later on? That yep. sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arguably a better version of our type, but um, yeah. Back back to my list: Space Harrier on the Atari ST. Uh, I got that in the Atari Power Pack. Um, I yep. actually had an Atari ST before I had an Amiga. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually did manage to finish that as well um, because I played that a lot back in the day when I should have been doing homework. Um, I actually, when I got an Amiga and then got Space Harrier for the Amiga, um, I actually was a little bit disappointed. I preferred the um, Atari ST version. Um, I, I, I think, you know, it... it there's a lot that probably it doesn't do as well as the arcade, but I, I thought it came together quite well on the ST. Hmm. Um, only a couple to go. Super Space Invaders on the Amiga. Um, look, I think it's a... I love the Space Invaders kind of game mechanic. And um, uh, great fun conversion. They even added a great game intro animation sequence. Um, and finally... Um, Ivan Stewart's Off-Road Racing, great Super Sprint-styled game for off-road yep. trucks. 
Um, great music, great car animation. And on the Amiga, if you had a pirated version by Paradox, it's likely that you saw probably one of the most disturbing crack screen intros ever. I'll leave it at that. I'll have to go and look that up. I don't actually yeah. remember. My, my, my mate who had fairly religious parents um, had, was the one with the Amiga in my, my neighborhood, and we used to go around and play, play actually that with him quite a fair bit. I don't ever remember anything like that popping up, though, so maybe he had a different, uh, different version because, yeah, that maybe. would have probably got the Amiga removed from the household. <laughs> Um, well, I'll go through a couple. Um, you've actually reminded me that yeah, Super Sprint on the Atari ST was a great game oh, as well. It was it a is. fantastic conversion, um, very playable, and you could hook multiple players up to it. Um, and the Amiga never got it. Ah, okay, right, okay. Yeah, well, that, that's a game, another game. Once again, didn't ever own a copy, but had a copy. Um, a game that I did own a copy of on the Atari was Gauntlet 2. And, nice. and it had the um, the extra cable, so you could play uh, for, uh, you could play more, multiple players. Um, yes. And it was a very good version. Had speech and um, um, just just all round very good. Um, going to my MSX computers, I can't I cannot not mention the the entire Gradius series, including Salamander, because um, oh, it's because it's the only system to get all of the levels from the arcade. Um, oh, that's nice. You know, there are, there, are, there are levels you can only play on, on the MSX. Because of Konami's, basically, their first system of choice was the MSX. A lot of their games um, were developed for that first and then ported either yep. by themselves or others to other systems. Um, and um, my favourite of those is Gradius 2. Um, there is a Gradius 3 or Gradius 2 Chapter 2. Um, uh, but I'm not as good at that one. So, <laughs> so I, like, I like the second one. Um, and another one which I've only discovered recently, I can't harken back to the day of this one, is the version of R-Type on MSX. I was actually quite impressed with. Now, mm. like uh, the C64 one Damien was talking about, it is incredibly hard, um, though, um, but it plays way better than I was expecting. Um, I do believe it doesn't have a huge reputation in the MSX community, but I think a lot of the reason of that is that it, it, its sound effects and music are a bit lacking compared to other MSX titles. Um, and just to round out a little more, I mean, back to the Atari 8-bits, you have heaps of solid arcade conversions in Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., uh, Pac-Man, Mrs. Pac-Man, um, uh, Robotron, uh, Moon Patrol, the list goes on. Mm. There are heaps of them, and they're all left cartridges, and if you've got an Atari 8-bit, they're all worth getting. They, no, they definitely are. They're, they, honestly, they're... they're made by the people who made the original games in a lot of cases. So, I dumb. Yeah, look, my, I think my, my only honourable mention, although on the topic of um, those games, though, would be um, the Donkey Kong version for the 64 that popped up uh, a few months ago. Uh, the Z, the, the, Z80, the yeah. new Homebrew Z80 port, which I think is 
again comes back to that if it was released back in the day and if they they knew what they did now back then it would have it would have been on the top of a lot of top 10 lists for the system yes uh, but yeah managing to pull across everything and yeah obviously doing what you had to do for the graphics but yeah it's a uh, that 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 is one of my favorites but again there's a lot of those cropping up like ghost and goblins arcade is is also a good honorable mention because mm. it it manages to at a multi-load mid mid level, but everything's there. Yeah, it's uh, everything is there. So, yes. So, what, gentlemen? What? So, we, we've been gushing endlessly. Is there anything that disappointed you guys? Well, I'm just going to mention one game. There are more than one I could mention, but um, I'm going to mention Rolling Thunder. I love the arcade version of Rolling Thunder, but on any system that I've ever seen it on, it's just a jerky, uninspired mess. Um, on the Amiga in particular, which probably should have been capable of doing a, an at least... Well, you would have thought maybe so, not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's got this cool little sample, because when I first played it, this little cool sample started up, and I thought, oh... You know, the music sounds like it's going to be pretty good, but it's just like a, I don't know, like a, a five or six second sample that just plays over and over and over again, and it really grates on you after the first minute or so, and um, yeah, it's just jerky to the point of being unplayable, so very, very disappointed, uh, but you know, as someone who likes Rolling Thunder but is not particularly good at it... Um, the Rolling Thunder on the Mega Drive, or in particular Rolling Thunder two and three, excellent conversions. Yeah, I've, so good. I've got the, I've got the Japanese three, and it's really really good. <laughs> I actually I actually yeah. Yeah, and I actually picked up three the um the Genesis version. Well, actually, it was the only version that in English speaking world of three as well recently. So I uh, might have to go and take a look. Ah, so. Tony. Okay. Tony. Need... <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So my disappointing one, I, I did have a couple to choose from, but I'm going to go with one of the most disappointing ones for the MSX, um, mainly because it was a Konami-labeled title, um, but it was written by Ocean. And actually, this game was pretty bad on pretty much every system, which was sad because... I really liked the arcade game um, and got into it a fair bit. It was Green Beret. Oh. Ooh, that's a... Yeah, that's controversial. It, it is mm. absolutely pants on the MSX. It's... Um, Yuck. It is... It does actually use sprites, so it isn't just a blatant spectrum port, as Ocean didn't... Depends on yep. the developer who was actually doing it underneath whether they did or not. Um, obviously, most titles for the MSX in the UK uh, are predominantly um, Spectrum ports Ooh. that running quite often running a Spectrum emulator, um, so it slows it down even further. So much so it even asks you to select Kempton joysticks. You know that's uh, it's running an emulator when you it asks you um to select Kenton joysticks <laughs> which you can't even plug into the system um that's terrible oh, oh good lord i'm just i'm looking at i'm just looking at screenshots of it now and i it, it, it's, pants. 
it really is. <laughs> you know, you know, you're in trouble when the DOS version, the EGA DOS version of it, looks better. Yeah. Oh, gross! <laughs> it must look bad. Uh, and on a lot of systems, it's insanely hard. So the difficulty level is way too high, thus spoiling the enjoyment. You can't get into the game if you know what I mean. So, like the C sixty four version, I think's about the best one. I think I don't. It's good. I like it. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. Is is it on the sixteen bits? Uh, no. Don't. Well, no, it's not on Amiga or ST, as far as I know. Yeah, no. no, I didn't think so. So it's probably a game that needed that sort of hardware, I reckon. So, but yeah. no, the the net the nest the nest port is is all right um they're you know again dos dos and that even all the commodore 16 got a port and it it has a lot of issues it has a lot of color problems um but it's it's worth just for the hilarity of i don't know what it's meant to be but yeah it's it's pretty bad but it's also funny Mm. (gasps) but um oh yeah there you go yeah, and there are others, but, dis- there are others yeah. but that's my worst one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was see, I, I was going to bring up Street Fighter Two, but I I never actually replayed it on any home systems, home computers back in the day. I I'm aware that it was uh, it was a big challenge to port, and anyone that's ever played the CD32 port of um, Super Street Fighter Two knows what I'm talking about. But um, no, I'm I'm going to rail on Altered Beast a bit here, and. Damien, you can sit there and be quiet for a moment. Um, it was, you know, an okay arcade game. It, it, and the Mega Drive game, I would argue, is probably a little bit more enjoyable. Um, but it, the game itself is just, it's pure ass. It, it is this terrible forced scrolling beat-em-up that every version I've played, and for the record, I've spent most of last week playing different versions of it, Every version I've played is the same mess that hit hit detection is off. The sprites, while they look good on some of the systems, it's just it's this horribly unplayable mess of a game that should never well, be well, ported. Well, it really was a, a tech demo that got turned into a game. Yes. And that's half of its problem. So. Oh. Although, Aaron, I think you secretly love it. You talk about it all the time. You know, oh, I, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I think you secretly love it and like it, and you do anything to talk about it. Oh, hey, I, but, I, but to be fair, I also talk about Aicho and Niki a lot, but that's because I, I have a soft spot for weird Japanese shooters featuring homo, homoerotic half-naked men. But, and, yeah, again, just different podcasts. Playing games in your undies. No, that's, that's only when I'm talking to Daz. Um, but look, it's just <laughs> Altered Beast. Oh, look, it just—it it was honestly one of those arcade ports that had no business coming across. Like it, it, it was crap on on the on the computers. It was no good version. The the CPC and Speckies run at a abysmal frame rate. The sixty four at least does some good things, but honestly, most of it's just yeah. But anyway, like I said, I could probably bang on about it and get fairly aggressive but damien seems to get upset whenever i bang on about altered beast too much so <laughs> well it's not so much the conversions it's like altered beast i know it's not the best game ever but it's not terrible but people it's... gush about it like it is like seriously it's if it's one thing i love nostalgia and obviously we're doing this because we love nostalgia but seriously the the amount of I love that people seem to have for Altered Beast. Like, and even now they go, "Oh my God, it's out on the 3DS Virtual Console." 
it comes out on which every system every system that it comes out there is a version of altered beast for and it doesn't get any better like no i just i i don't know what these people are remembering like battle toads yep sure it's it's a terrible game that we all remember because of that horrible beater stage but it still had a a bit of charm to it and honestly i just i don't get it but like i said maybe i'm just a bit biased maybe it's people who have never actually played it but they talk about it like they have Oh, no, 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 no. This is not Defender, like, Damien. This is not Defender. Pe- people who talk about Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 about how good it is, it's like it, they're thinking, mistaking pa- Pac-Man arcade for the Atari 2600 version. <laughs> yeah, yes. They're all, they're all yeah. Ataris, right? Oh, all, all, the, uh, all the later uh, Pac-Man games. Yeah, Miss, Miss Pac-Man. The later ones. Oh, Miss pa- yeah, Miss they're Pac-Man much better. Phenomenal. Miss Pac-Man on the 2600 is good. Oh, yeah, that is a good game. And shows what could have been done with Pac-Man. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I, I think we're just about at a wrap. Unless anyone has any words in party? No, well, no. Uh, other than this, this was a very enjoyable topic. Indeed. Look, I could have talked about a lot more versions and... Even now talking about Pac-Man, just how good, how good is Pac-Mania on the Amiga? OMG. Yeah, you'll have to tell us that story some other time. I've never played it. Yeah, man. Do it. Get into it. Uh, I guess I've got no excuse to. <laughs> uh, awesome. So, gentlemen, any any shout out, any last minute shout outs or any any thanks to you want to you want to throw out before we head off? Um, shout out to you guys. How did you like my new mic? Was it good? You sound better. Good, good. In in what way? <laughs> this is a G-rated podcast, Damien. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yep. Um, shout out to the um retro domination guys i've just started listening to your um podcasts um so that's very entertaining i actually just listened to the um episode um aaron where you were talking about neo geo Uh and yeah yeah i like i like neo geo it feels like it's too good to be in in my house it really is that um Mm. Those MVS, those yep. MVS cabs are nice. Mm, yes. Um, shout out, um, Mr. Aaron White. I just imagine him um, listening to this podcast with a pint in one hand and a freshly delivered satin game in his other hand. <laughs> That's how I imagine um, him at the moment. He's cool. You are, Tony? Or anyone else, Damien? Um, oh, that'll do. Um, well, shout out to all the indie game devs out there, especially those preparing, getting ready for packs later in the year. Ooh, so we might see you all there too. Yeah, and I know, I know, know from uh, well news I read tonight that there is a Tasmanian contingent planning on making their way up with support of um, Screen Tasmania. Oh, nice. What, what, what? What the hell? Yeah, they're, they're going to pay for half of the booth. And they've, and they've got three lines. 
And so what's going to be in the booth? Um, or indie games uh, developers here in Tassie are going to get uh, have a chance to ah. show their games at PAX. So. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant like indie MSX developers. Oh, oh uh-huh. okay. No, no. Anyway. Tony, Tony I wishes. I, I didn't know that there was a contingent of um, MSX developers no, from Tassie. No, no, no. The <laughs> contingent would be me. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. would still be pretty awesome. Yeah, no, no, you've but, got the, the crew, the crew oh, that did have, um, Party Golf, I, I think, isn't it? Yes, well, Party Golf, they've got a stand, um, but it's going to be the, another th- trying to support another three developers and they'll be next to the Party Golf stand. So oh, nice. They're, oh, so they're only, just been, only just been talking about it tonight, though, so nothing said in concrete. Um, and I've already offered that if I'm up there helping out in the retro section, I will help any of the ones going. So, Oh, that's fantastic, man. There's always love to see more Tassie Invasion. And I'm arranging for some of my uh, physical copies of my NES games to be shipped over mm-hmm. so I can um, have signed copies at PAX. Uh, um, Tony, uh, save one for me, would you please? <laughs> yeah, I might well, have to have a chat about that one. Hopefully it should arrive soon. It was supposed to be shipped a little while ago, but I think they're coming by surface from Canada. So. Oh, dear. Mm. So it's Canada. It's not USPS. Um because you know the yeah. the um, the key tops for my TI ninety nine that um, Eric Nelson was going to send across to me back in the start of the year have never actually arrived, and we, we're not sure what happened to them. Oh. It's a bit of a sad bit of a sad tale. He's got a very sad looking spare part TI in his shed that is missing a bunch of keys, and somewhere in a USPS sorting center, there's probably remnants of them mixed amongst, like you know, the the sorting machines or something. Or they were stolen because apparently, you know, yeah. Somebody else needed the same keys. And yeah, <laughs> would have thought, right? <laughs> not like it's ten, uh, not like it's ten thousand dollars worth of SNES games, but yeah, it's uh, yes. um, but yeah, um, we've got a few for me. Um, yeah, shout out to Mister Chris Van Grass. He's been um helping me a lot of late, trying to get some um upscaling fun happening and just bouncing a few bits and pieces off there. Um, Cyrock again is my uh. Again, helps me talk talk stuff up and keep me occupied. Alex and Daz, um, yeah, Alex, thanks again for the uh, the eight hundred XL. It's uh, now nine hours. It's all up and running and working. So uh, no, I've won two. No, feel, um, feel free. Some somebody feel free to send me an eight hundred XL. K, thanks. Bye. <laughs> if that works, I will eat my hat. Um, no, um, oh, please, someone send me one. <laughs> um, but other than that, guys, just yeah, shout out to the the RD crew. Out to um, the Geekdom United guys. Um, you know who you are. We love you all, and you're always have a fun to listen to. Uh, and yeah, anyone else I miss? Yeah, again, thanks for listening, and we love you as long time. Oh, isn't isn't that sweet? Oh, I know, right? <laughs> awesome, gentlemen. Well, has been fun as always. It has. Yeah, most enjoyable. And, uh, let's let's do this again soon. Let's do it. Definitely. All right. Well, with that said, uh, good night, goodbye, good day, wherever you might be, and here's till next time. Adios. See you later.